For this episode of Coffee with Closers, I'm sitting down with Chad Burmister. Chad is a believer first, a husband second, and a father of two teenagers, and a lifelong rebel and a rule breaker. Chad is the founder and CEO of Scalex.ai. He empowers sales professionals to become the best version of themselves by focusing on their mindset, skill set, and tool set. I'm looking forward to my conversation with Chad. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Coffee with Closers, where business leaders share insights on how to build businesses from the ground up and best practices for innovating in their industry. Hey, Chad, I'm super excited to have you join me for this episode of Coffee with Closers. Man, it's great to be here. I didn't bring my coffee. I brought a bubbly instead. But, um, you know, put that coffee down, I think, is what it says in the movie. So I follow the instruction. Exactly. Well, appreciate you joining me. Obviously, every entrepreneur has a story of how they overcame obstacles to become an entrepreneur. I'm sure you have something similar to share. Can you tell our audience a little bit about how you became an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's funny. I go back to when I was a kid and I remember in junior high school, there was a course on entrepreneurship. And I remember even saying the word was hard and spelling it was even harder. And so, you know, what what is that? And prior to junior high school, I thought I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and then I did the economics of what it would be to be a pilot. And it seemed like you make 40 to 50,000 a year. And by the time I added up the cost of my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and everything else, the math didn't work to be a pilot. So I decided to um, go into sales and then sales led to, you know, I was, I was always finding I'm breaking glasses when I go into companies. I'm just there to get stuff done and be more efficient. And the the blocking of, of all of the political pieces were always a frustration to me. So you needed it to learn corporate, you know, how do you do corporate? Um, and how do you learn to be a manager and a salesperson? But I've always known, even from the time I was a kid, that I, I need to be an entrepreneur. You and me both wanted to be pilots. Uh, but my, my reason was, man, I, when I started seeing how claustrophobic you are when you're sitting in that co cockpit i'm like man i don't know if i want to spend eight hours in that place <laughs> but i i am still i'm i i'm fascinated about how airplanes fly i watch a lot of videos about it i'm still crazy well, about it and that's the benefit of being an entrepreneur and a salesperson right it's the next best thing you ride in the back versus actually having to work to do it so i think i chose the right profession my dad was a doctor so originally i started down that path too in college and then I learned that the sight of blood wasn't good for me. And I learned that memorization wasn't good for me. So those two things were like, oh, that's two, two strikes out of the three. So I might as well do something a little different. Everyone has a calling, right? So not everybody's cut out to be doctors or pilots. That's right. That's right. So obviously, what's the, what's the one big lesson you learned in the process of becoming an entrepreneur? Well, the, the big thing for me is is cash flow. I've never had a problem with selling. And so in the very first quarter, we sold $337,000 worth of services in the first month. And so I, I knew we'd arrived, right? I knew the market uh, had a need for what it is we were selling. And so I said, okay, it's time to leave my day job. And I typically ramp spend up really, really quickly because I want to get the website done, the eBooks. Oh, look, we're going to do an eBook. We better do an audio book. 
if I join one network, the C-suite advisors, well, then I should probably join board of advisors too, because two is better than one. So I tend to spend ahead a little bit and I've had to learn over the last three years. This is my second run at being an entrepreneur. I did it 10 or 12 years ago as well. Um, but now I've managed teams. I've built companies before. So this run's been a lot easier than the one from 12 or 13 years ago. Um, but cash flow is the biggest lesson learned, right? How much comes in and how much goes out the other side? How much do you take home? And typically being an employee as a salesperson, what do you care about? Well, you just care about selling your quota. The rest happens. As an entrepreneur, you have to worry about selling and hitting a number, but also making sure that the spend is in alignment with the revenue. Most certainly. And I think, um, you know, that that's, I think from all the conversations I had with entrepreneurs, especially, you know, founders who are also involved in the day-to-day -day operations, they say, you know, they're not the numbers people oftentimes, they're the visionaries with the idea for the product. Um, they know how to go sell, but they're just very poor when it comes to the backside of the business, right? Making sure that the numbers add up and that it, you can't continue to sustain the growth of the company. Yeah, well, and what's interesting, the, the lesson, TK Cater is a friend. I've known him for 10 years. He was the former head of Tout App. And, you know, they were the prelude to what's out there today with Sales Loft and Outreach. And they were purchased by Marketo and then Marketo sold to Adobe. And, you know, he, I signed up for his program, how to punch the Sunday jitters in the face. Because as entrepreneurs, we often, you know, get a little sketchy on weekends, like what's going on this coming week. So he sends me this easy button from Staples. And I was like, what's this? You know, that was easy. That was easy. And you're like, and he said, Chad, you know, in your mind what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of figure that out and say, oh, yeah, you sell, there's a cost to it. And then there's a bottom line, right? <laughs> what gets mm -hmm. to go out the other side. And so just facing that and saying, well, I'm pretty good at math. I actually do know what I'm talking about uh, was was empowering. Yeah. TK, is, TK and John Miller, the former founder of uh, Marketo, both, both of those guys are on my list of people to get on and get on that show. John actually just did another exit. The guy is just a... Uh, King of King of finding yeah, founding right. business. Maybe I need to call him, and he could be our CEO. I could, you know, I fired myself three times this year. I was the CRO. I brought in a CRO. Then I then I said, okay, now I'm going to do channels. Four days later, God comes in and says, oh, I'm going to put this channel guy in your path. And I was like, wait, you mean I'm going to have to fire myself twice in the same week? And now I'm looking at it, going, hmm, maybe maybe there's people that are smart like John that could actually be the CEO. And then I could be a founder of multiple companies. So it's interesting how you move up that totem pole as an entrepreneur. Yeah, sometimes you do have to get out of the way and get somebody else who can actually take the company to the next level. And and we could be the bottleneck oftentimes. And I sometimes feel like I am sometimes a bottleneck. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've been working with a gentleman named Nick Cavuto. Hmm. And he's helped me with my personal branding. And so what's interesting is we, we just spent an hour this morning, in fact, and looked at other people's LinkedIn's companies that are 50 to 100 employees. We went to their LinkedIn and we, we, we started going down the list and said, how many of these folks have a personal brand? And you'd be surprised, right? It's not very many. Um, so getting a personal site, having your press release information, your headshot, your bio, videos, your story of who you are, is something as a CEO and a founder, if you haven't invested the time to do that yet, that's how you scale yourself. 
I'm finding that I'm able to build trust with people through video and podcasts and webinars ahead of them meeting with my sales team. And that's really what I've found is my job and responsibility is to go create virtual relationships without even having to physically shake anybody's hand. Yeah, I think more and more companies are starting to realize that the the founders are also very much a part of the, the corporate branding and marketing that they need to invest into the founder being very much out and about, right? Getting their name published and, you know, we call it digital PR in our world, you know, getting them published in industry relevant publications uh, or even being as a guest like this on shows where they can actually reach audience right you know beyond their current current audience they may have within their within their marketing efforts internally yeah what was cool is that once we had the momentum over the last three to four months is that fox actually reached out fox and friends the day before the election and newsmax and said hey we see you're a conservative christian technologist which normally those three words don't necessarily go together apparently i didn't realize that I thought, you know, I've met a lot of technology people in my life. So they, they, both of those networks said, hey, we'd like to have you on our show. One was the last interview before the election coverage happened. Mm-hmm. And I attribute all of that to the investment that I've done in my personal brand. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. And I think TK is a guy for sure created a, a very strong personal brand. Because even after he left, um, you know, the after he sold the company, he still has that strong brand. And I think he's creating, I think, I forgot the show that he has, but I see his video clips on LinkedIn for sure. Um, yeah, he's really done a lot. Unstoppable, unstoppable is kind of the term. Um, but I know he's built one for founders and CEOs to help them scale. And I went through it, the whole process while it was being built, right? The rocket ship left the pad and he was putting nuts and bolts on while it was in the air. Mm-hmm. But it was fun because I love being at the beginning of something and it was good to be able to contribute back to what it is he's working on. So very cool. Most certainly. Well, what's your personal motivation? What keeps you, what's your drive and what keeps you going? So, so my why really is that I've always had a higher power that I know is guiding my footpath and exposing other entrepreneurs that it's there. All you have to do is, is ask. And you don't have to be an overly like, let me read the Bible every day. It's not, it's not that. It's, it's creating a personal relationship. What I shared with one executive who almost lost his house, family, and everything, he, act, I, he called me out of the blue because I did some blog five years ago. He calls me up, he goes, would you mind talking to me? Yeah, let's talk. And I was at Ring Central at the time. So I pick up the phone and I talk to him for an hour and he's like, yeah, I'm about to get kicked out of my house. My wife's probably going to divorce me. I'm going to lose my kids. It's really messy. And so I said, have you ever done this simple thing? Just say your will be done. Like when you go to bed tonight, just say, what do you want for me? And I go, no, you can't. It it might not be a mansion. It might not be $10,000 deposit in your account tomorrow. You just have to ask it in that way. What your will be done. And, and he said he did that. And then he did it again. And he, I said, try to do it for 21 days in a row and build the habit of it. Mm-hmm. And about a year and a half later, he calls and he was wanting to sell to me. And he had a team of two people. And he's like, man, you saved my life. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. And so I, those are the things where if you just put yourself out there and ask, what should I be doing next? And then just be open to the answer. Man, to me, that's the secret of it all. That's awesome. So now I'm 
important, but also focusing on how do I help other entrepreneurs discover this secret? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And also, you know, obviously as an entrepreneur, right, it's all about the mindset as well, because if we're always in a constant battle, there's always a fire to put out, right? You got challenges to solve. So what, what about, you know, what keeps you in the right mindset uh, in terms of kind of having that forward thinking and not getting bogged down by whatever the challenges you, you might get? Yeah, um, look, I'm in I'm in the mountains right now and I'm here for eight days. Sometimes you just have to go with nature. So I'm doing this thing called 75 hard. It's 75 days of workout. It's really a mental toughness app. Two workouts a day, 45 minutes each. One gallon of water a day, no drinking for 75 days. And it's just, it's just been amazing. It clears your head. And so coming up to the mountains, I just rented this place in Steamboat Springs and doing the 45 minute run in 25 degree weather last night bundled up was awesome. So just have to create that space for yourself to where you, you know, go away from it for a little while. Yeah. I rest of the day. I mean, I work 10, 12 hour days, like a lot of entrepreneurs, but you got to carve out time for yourself from time to time. I've figured out how to be successful, quote unquote. And by the way, success is a, it's a funny, elusive thing. Success is when you're in alignment with what you're meant to be doing and not much more than that. It's not once I get somewhere, it's just once you know that you're, you're in the river you're meant to be in, and the banks of the river, and you've got the raft, there'll be bumps along the way. But when you know you can align, you're, you're successful. So I, it took me a while to, to figure that one out. Yeah, just as much as mindset is important, personal development is a big part of being an entrepreneur, right? Because there's always new things that you have to be, you know, finding solutions to or answering, you know, uh, answering to people, things of that nature. What are some of the things that you do to personally develop yourself and improve your skills and knowledge? I read a lot. Um, I literally brought six books up here because I'm not sure which one I'm going to consume. So the one that's on top of the stack is The Inf Infinite Game, Simon Sinek. Um, a CEO gave that to me the other day. So he's, uh, he's an equally spiritual person uh, who runs a company that's out of Louisiana that helps people with their financial mindset. Uh, and we're thinking of doing some partnering in this area. So he gave me that book to read. But yeah, I, I like to read. I like to do interviews like this because and flip both sides, right? Be the interviewer, but also be the interviewee. And so it's always fun to communicate and just have deep conversations that are intellectual with smart people. Simon Sinek is one of my favorites. Uh, I think his book, The Why, is an amazing one. I heard his talk about the infinite game. He did a a tech talk or one of those, um, um, like a some sort of an opening of a, a conference or something he did, which he talks about the 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 difference between what how Apple and Microsoft, the two different companies, how they go about you know looking at each other as competitors, whereas you know My Microsoft is competing with Apple, whereas Apple is not even thinking about Microsoft. They're just thinking they're in that infinite game. They're competing with themselves, not with somebody else. It's a pretty, pretty amazing story, uh, explanation. Well, what, well what Eric shared with me is that it's very kingdom focused. Mm -hmm. So he said, if you would re re replace infinite with kingdom and the beyond. Um, and so I haven't even cracked the book yet, but I'm excited to see the parallels there because there's, there's abundance in this world. You just have to open your mind to it. Unfortunately, parents, teachers, 
the government. There's so many places that want to actually keep you at a certain level and not let you break out into abundance. Mm -hmm. And if you can just flip that switch of the mindset, then you can do whatever you want to do in life. Speaking of books, you've written a couple of books and you have some of them on Amazon as well. And uh, I think in your, your book, the, the sales hack, you, you talk about Mark Benioff hack. I'm curious to learn a little bit about what that is. Mark Benioff is somebody else that I, I'm also always follow as well. Yeah, the Benioff hack was funny. Uh, Dreamforce probably six, seven, eight years ago now. Time flies when you're having fun. Mm -hmm. um, they've obviously got the big Dreamforce event. But at the time, they didn't really have a sales day. Even though it's salesforce.com, you would think they'd have a sales thought leader day. So I said, ah, oh, that's let's go ahead and create it so we built down the street at the four seasons hotel i think it was um and invited you know trish bertuzzi who's a main speaker um kyle porter several of the big you know and this was kind of pre-kyle porter sales loft days this was right when he was starting the business and so uh, henry shuck uh came now you know he's a billionaire himself and so all you get the the who's who to participate off-site while they're going to be in town anyway, it's mm -hmm. so we got a hundred people to sign up and attend because you know a hundred thousand people are in San Francisco for the week. So the hack is, uh, you know, your name here, like, hey, we've got eight, you know, six, eight VIPs speaking. Would you like to speak? So I'd list the anchor tenants, Henry, Trish, and Kyle, and hey, we'd like you to come speak too. That's how I get the speakers. And then we got some sponsors. Hey, we need to pay for this, you know, half day or full day offsite. So, you know, if we put your banner in the room, would you be willing to, to give us $5,000? Sure. So that, that one really worked. Uh, that worked really well. And then I don't know if we were the leader to this or how it happened, but the Dreamforce ended up adding another day. Now I think it's two mm -hmm. where they have sales speakers and influencers. So I like to think I contributed to that some way. Uh -huh. <laughs> Management versus leadership, right? Basically, especially as founders and entrepreneurs, we have this, you know, this dichotomy that we have to be occasionally be a manager because we have direct reports that we have to deal with, but then also have to set the goal and the vision and the dream of the company where we're headed, right? So which, which you know, Ram, do you kind of operate in on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, it's funny. I, I know where I've made the, the leap because I used to be 90% manager, 10% leader. Um, and I, I knew I had it in me to be a leader, but I, I needed to have the tight levels of control. So now I, I build a job requirements doc and it's pretty specific. And it says, here's your roles and responsibilities. And then I create three main goals. Like these are it, you know, these are your core job. If you do these things, we're going to be awesome. If you don't, then we might not be awesome. And so I, I usually give them the keys to the car and say, Hey, just, you know, try not to crash the Ferrari. It's a pretty nice Ferrari that we drive. And so I generally focus on more leadership discussion and occasionally, you know, it gets to a point where it's like, Hey, what's going on? You know, the dashboards is your number one goal. And by the way, it's number one and number two for one of the guys on my team right now. And if they slip, then it's like, Hey, you know, let's, let's have a meeting. Can you walk me through the dashboards and what's going on? And then it's, you know, and then you remind them that, hey, remember, that's two thirds of your day job. Mm -hmm. All those other things are cool, but I care about the two thirds. So I think I've flipped it now to a 90-10 leadership, 
10% management. And I've hired people like Rich Blakeman, the CRO, to be, and he's he's probably 80, 20, 90, 10 leadership also, but he helps me with the management part so that I don't have to do as much of that uh, as I used to. Makes sense. I think it's a big shift, right? Especially when you're small, you need a lot of people who are doers and, and actually trying to build these leadership, the core leadership team is very difficult. How are you able to do it at your current size to, to have such leadership roles within your organization? Well, early it was me and it, and Shannon Miller, and and then Dan Percy was the COO. Um, I say that in past tense. He helped us get the rocket off the ground as a consultant uh, COO. So about a year, we documented everything and built the systems and process. And um, someday he wants to buy a house in Belize. So my commitment to him was, hey, those percentage ownership that you have in ScaleX, I, I'm not going to let you down. Like, I won't dilute you. I will make you three to $500,000 someday so you can buy a house in Belize outright. So that's still my commitment because he helped me document and get things off the ground. And um, then, you know, it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for the first year to year and a half. Then we, you know, once we started getting to regularly 100 to 150,000 a month, then, and, and I could took my foot off the gas and see that the car continued to run. Then I thought, then I said, okay, hey, now we've got something that's scalable. Now we can start bringing in the leadership. Um, I'll tell you, the SBA loan, the PPP plan was precisely the right time in our company history because there was uncertainty in March. And so the PPP came through and that gave us a shot in the arm that allowed us to go make some more investments. And then the SBA loan, that's a 30 year payback period at 3.75%. That lets me take more risks to bring on someone like Rich Blakeman mm -hmm. and Kristen Brumbaugh, who runs client success. So I think without some level of financing, which by the way, I'm super excited. If you think about, uh, What's the term I'm looking for? If you see the, the, the Trump administration passed the $500 billion plan for minorities, mm -hmm. that's awesome. I'm like, great, because when I talk to folks that are friends that are not the color of my skin and say, you know, the biggest gap I have in being an entrepreneur is access to capital. And so if you can give, you know, just like I finally had access to capital, if you can give that freely to people who are entrepreneurial thinkers, then man, you can bring up a whole society. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that really was helpful to, to give our business a boost that we needed earlier in the year. Most certainly. And I do think entrepreneurship is the best way to kind of uh, eliminate some of the inequalities in our society too. Um, giving people opportunity to go create jobs uh, as opposed to seeking government assistance and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because I did take government assistance, but it's also backed up by the assets of my company. And, you know, they did a pretty big scrutiny when they look at all of your finances and accounts receivable, accounts payable. So uh, it's a it's a needed thing. And and yeah, I wouldn't. That's what I talked about on Newsmax that day was that that so, so successful. But that's different than just giving you a handout, right? You're you're basically creating opportunities of which government knows by doing so, you're creating jobs ultimately affects the, you know, lowers the overall unemployment unemployment rate in our country, which yeah. is which is yeah, what yeah. they want to do. 
So obviously, right. you know, when you're building a company, it's all also about the culture, right? What kind of people you have, what kind of culture you're creating, what, what's your perspective on building a culture and especially a high performance one? Yeah, we're a leader when it comes to using technology. So our culture really is around pushing the envelope, right? Don't be afraid to fail. Like, let's put something in. We, we don't have any no people in the company, right? Normally, you hire an operations person and their job is to say no 10 times out of 10. <laughs> and that gets extremely frustrating. We're a yes culture. So it's, hey, what are you looking to do? Let's figure out what tools we can bring to bear to help do that. And so it's so refreshing when my ops team, my client success manager, when, when they're helping the customer and aligning with the customer. The other thing is I'm in the process of actually writing a book and we, we've, we're not fully landed on the title, but we think it's going to be God-centered selling. And so we're going to define the principles at every stage, whether it's discovery, qualification, uh, or demo or negotiation, every stage of the pipeline, how do you use God-centered principles in making a decision? And I'm happy to hear that your faith is kind of shaping the way you're running the business. And I'm happy to hear about the book. I'd love to get a copy of it when you have it ready. So in terms of running a company, right, we talked about a lot of different things, but vision is also an important thing, right? A lot of times founders are big, big visionaries, but they have a trouble, have trouble articulating that vision and getting, you know, buy-in from the entire organization. So what are some proactive measures that you've taken to make sure that the vision is, uh, is bought in from the entire organization? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We just had a, uh, there's a couple things I'm doing. There's a Park Howell runs this. Uh, he used to be a professor at, I think, ASU. And he runs a company called The Business of Story. And so it talks about the hero's journey. And so I'm in a workshop with multiple other entrepreneurs, Tuesdays and Thursdays, masterclass. And so we're learning the ABTs and but therefore. So you start with the story, you know, traditional, and I'll, I'm going to recite this from memory, so we'll see where it goes. Traditionally, companies that go to uh, build a sales team spend a lot of time, money, resource, and upwards of 500000 to a million dollars, and it takes them months to get stood up. Um, and it takes so long that they don't actually see pipeline from this investment until several months into the process. But... Over the last several months, with the work from home move, they've uh, companies are finding that they just can't afford to staff a million dollar SDR team anymore. Therefore, ScaleX was founded in 2017 to solve this problem as a white glove pipeline as a service, bringing together all the best tools and technologies and processes to help companies do their outbound prospecting. So, you know going to master classes, reading the books, doing the hard work to look inward. And even that statement I just gave you gets beat up like crazy on the calls. And, you know, that's what you have to do. It starts out as a long dissertation and it comes comes back with how do you simplify your message and vision? Mm -hmm. Which brings me to a question about sales and marketing. So how has your approach on sales and marketing evolved after you started your company? I used to think sales and marketing were two separate silos. And I think in most companies, that's still how they're run. I learned at Connect and Sell when I was head of sales and marketing that it's better to 
have your own self fight with yourself, right? There's no arm wrestle. It's now between two people. It's all done by one person. So I think the CRO, the uh, sometimes the COO, I think the more you can put the sales and marketing goals and alignment in one person. Now you can have two people under that person, but the person running both should be versatile. Both of those um, because it shouldn't, it, it's, it's, it almost reminds me of the election season because it's, it can be so hot and intense two sides of the coin, right? You're either this or you're that same thing with marketing. You're either sales or you're marketing and the best companies pull them together and say, no, 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 this all needs to go together. And I know in your notes, you've mentioned something about revenue equals frequency times, you know, uh, competence. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. It, revenue equals frequency times competency. I learned this from Skip Miller way back 20 years ago, 25 years ago, probably. And so if I always was a focus on the frequency because early in my sales career, I didn't have the competency yet. So when you can spend time saying, you know what, I'm just going to outwork you, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. Even if it's a working at a gas station, outwork everybody else and you'll win. And I think that's what the Midwest culture is all about. So I always tell the junior sellers, get the F up <laughs> because if you can get the frequency part up, competency comes naturally by doing more. And, you know, Steve D'Angelo told me early, he said, Chad, look, if you want to be a manager someday, you've got to have enough deals under your belt. Maybe it's a hundred, maybe it's a thousand, but if you want to manage an enterprise team, then you got to do a lot of enterprise deals. If you want to manage a small medium team, then do a lot of those. So I think from a, Revenue equals frequency times competency. And then it's about on the C side, do you have tools like exec vision, gong, chorus, let you listen in on the conversation uh, and have a coach? Do you work for a company that has the luxury of having coaches? Mm -hmm. You know, look yourself in the mirror. If you think you're a three out of 10, go become a 10 out of 10 by finding the manager that you want to work for and telling them you'll, you'll do the frequency part of the game and Hey, can you help me with the competency part? And man, I've helped so many, so many people in their career move both of that equation up. And, you know, now they're making a lot of money and making a lot of impact on the world. Which is brings me to a question about, you know, some organizations don't have the luxury of having, you know, like you said, the leadership and the management, all those things, right? What can smaller organization do to, to kind of support their junior reps or even, you know, a team in their marketing or whatever those functions are? Uh, to be able to build a team uh, and be able to support them in terms of coaching and training? Yeah, that's a layup question. And it actually tees up my, my other company that Gerhard Schwatner from Selling Power and Dion and I started six months ago, roughly, called salesclass.ai. Mm -hmm. And so we brought together 25, 30 experts. We call them sales gurus. And these gurus are Sherpas, whatever you want to call um, they are so experts in their area, like cold call reluctance. One of the people on there, that's her, her whole game. So we've got about 10 videos from her and she does a live session once every month or so and talks about that. And so our thought is, look, if you're a small company, you're seed round, you're a founder based company and you don't have funding, you're series A, you know, you just don't have that level of time, money, resource, go out and get your team a subscription at 10 bucks a month and let them 
hire a mentor through our platform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a key to the yeah a key to people's mindset. Yeah, because like you were just saying earlier, you know, bigger organizations are spending half a million to a million dollars to build an SDR team and AE team, and smaller organizations don't have the capital to begin with, and also don't have the luxury of just creating the you know hierarchy of leadership. Uh, to coach the people. So I think, you know, tools like the one that you've just mentioned, I think is super critical uh, for providing the providing the necessary training that the team need. Um, you know, obviously as an entrepreneur building a company, it's all about organizations and systems and process. So the business can work outside of you, right? Beyond you. So what are things you are doing proactively to make sure that that is there? Um, so the company is not, you are not the company, right? Yeah, great question. Uh, I didn't understand that until February of 2020, just being transparent. I went on a ski trip with 48 other entrepreneurs in uh, the Maple Summit Lodge in Canada. And one of those people was Chandler Bolt. Well, Chandler Bolt is Seth Bolt's brother. Seth's one of the backup singers in my one of my favorite bands, Need to Breathe. <laughs> I was like, wait, you're the brother? And so that was kind of neat. And well, he's got this business that grew to 8 million, maybe it's even 10 or 12 by now, that helps people self-publish. It's called self-publishing school. And he was with me at the dinner table one night about the need to document everything. And he's even got a system. If you do something more than twice, write it up, put it in the SOP, mm-hmm. right? And he's got a, a, a thought process and methodology around when to write it up, how to write it up. And he gives it to the world without asking for anything in return, mm-hmm. uh, which is really kind of a neat thing of what he does for a living. Yeah. So document, document, document. And, you know, I'm, I get things to 80% and then my team helps me get it to 100. And so the key that I have to remember and hold myself accountable to is that when we come across one of those items that I'm finding myself doing multiple times, you just have to call a timeout and say, either I'm going to do it for 30 minutes and write it up and put it in a Google Drive and tell people where it is. Or, hey, Kristen, you're perfect for this. Would you mind writing this up? Right. And then now it's a full documented process. I find when I give it to someone else, they actually do a better job than I can do on it. And that's when it's really rewarding. Most certainly. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of business and entrepreneurs, right, oftentimes they have this exit strategy sometimes already in mind or some are not even thinking about it. Some are opposed to the whole concept of taking capital. You were talking about how earlier you were able to get some uh, access to capital through government funds, things like that. What's your perspective on that uh, in terms of raising capital or even just exit exit in general? You know, when we first started, we had some pretty good buzz in the industry. So some VCs reached out and it's usually the junior biz dev guy. And what I've learned from most VCs, oh, you're, you got to be doing 5 million and you got to be growing hundred percent year over year. My job is to find those kind of companies. So it, it, I, I, I kind of learned early on that, you, you know, you've really got to be a substantial player in order to don't waste your time on those conversations. Cause you can, you know, you can spend a lot of time. I mean, even recently I've spent three meetings with one company and I know what they're looking for and I know we're close to it. And yet I don't know if they're, if they're real. I I honestly think they're fishing. They want to understand a lot about our IP and they're digging as deep as they can and they could go a totally different direction. So I I just say, be careful. Um, What the VCs want is a model that they know works and prints money. So if you're going to go to a VC and say, Hey, I need money so I can go figure out how to print money. They're going to say, no, there's the door. 
They want to find companies who've already figured out how to print money, and then they want to throw gas on the fire. So go figure that out first. And then once you see that you put a dollar into your business and it kicks five or 10 back, okay, now you can have a conversation with the VC. Yeah, most certainly. And I think a lot, oftentimes it's premature to actually even go find money before you even have a product market fit. Even if you have a product, it may not be the right market and people aren't willing to pay for the solution you came up with. So why would the VC give you more money to only to find out that nobody wants to buy this? Uh, so that's also yeah. the case. We're, we're in an acquisition motion with another company right now. And they, how do I say it? Uh, their run rate isn't as nearly as big as ours, right? We'll be well over 2 million this year. They'll probably be south of 500,000. And their churn has been bigger than than usual. And so, you know, I we think we know why that is. And we think we can help solve that gap. Um, however, they haven't solved it yet. And so therefore, it keeps the value of their business to a level that's far below what the market would be willing to pay for that. So, you know, figure it out first before you go look for the cash. It makes sense. You know, as entrepreneurs, you know, the one thing we don't have enough of is time. Like you said earlier, you work 12 hour shift. And so most of the entrepreneurs that I talk to, right? So you got to come up with some productivity hacks on how to scale your time. Are there anything in terms of habits or, you know, systems or processes that you have in terms of scaling your time and being more productive? Well, I mean, that's funny. That's like my whole company ScaleX, right? Mm -hmm. Everything we do from pulling the right data with intent signals is ideal. So Bombora is a great partner uh, through sales Intel. And then audit, a virtual assistant is absolutely key. Think about it. 15 years ago, you email, maybe 20. And then someday someone came and told you, Hey, the email is better. You can, you know, you can send something digitally instead of in the mail. Oh, wow. Good idea. I was living in New Zealand at the time on a study abroad program. So I'm sitting there sending, sending letters back or calling my parents for $2 a minute. And that was ridiculous. So email came. Well, I think everyone in the world or, you know, most knowledge workers very near term will have a virtual assistant. So if you can set the virtual assistant up for success because you've programmed it, it's your it's your language, your dotting your I's and crossing your T's, it gives you just a whole new reach. So if you're a salesperson, a CEO, a CRO, and whatever your lane is in life, if it's getting meetings as a BDR, if it's talking to investors as a CEO, if it's fill in the blank, it doesn't matter what it is. If you put in automation for email and social outreach and voicemail drops and SMSs and Vidyard videos, there's ways you can automate all that to the point where your schedule is booked all day, every day, doing what you're passionate about and doing what's good for the business. Mm -hmm. That's when you know you've arrived. You're like, oh, like right now, I'm very much enjoying this conversation. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing I should be investing my time in. And if I can have 10 of these a week, then why, why would you not have automation to help you do that? Most certainly. In terms of, you know, advice for someone who's probably, an, you know, somebody uh, contemplating on becoming an entrepreneur, what advice do you have for someone like that? <clears throat> Find a mentor is the first thing that comes to mind. The people have been there, done that. And so, you know, in my first run at this back in 2000 to 2004, I didn't have one mentor. I just went out to 
legal zoom i started an llc i figured out the taxes you know and, and i just slowly kicked and clawed my way through there's groups like the c-suite network or board of advisors or you know there's groups of entrepreneur minded folks you mentioned i think a, a christian one earlier convene correct right so convene is one if you want to be with like-minded folks that are uh, spiritual in nature but find one of those orgs and you don't have to spend twenty thousand dollars you can come in on a entry-level program and you know learn from other people um, and then also in your current day job try to align yourself up to the division or the role that you're trying to solve the business problem for so when i went to ring central i was used to managing salespeople, quota carry and I went in and managed BDRs and SDRs, outbound sellers, and different role. And so, but that's what I wanted to play in as a business. So go into the company, work two, three, four years, figure out what the pain is, and now you can go out and solve it. But you got paid to go figure out what the pain, what the pain was. Makes sense. What, what advice would you give your younger self? You know, it's, it's funny. I actually flipped this exercise lately mm -hmm. this, because this one to me is more powerful. Imagine going forward 20 years right now over the next five minutes and you actually fly to the place in the world where you are now residing. So you picture that place, you walk up to the door, you knock on it, there you are and you meet your future self and your future self tells you a secret. It says, here's, and you look around in the house, what's there, right? You have to visually see what's there. And then your future self tells you, hey, if, if you would just do this one thing, you'll be uber successful. Because, right? And now you come back to this moment and you can, whatever you can see, you can believe. And if you believe it, then you can make it happen. So to me, you can't go back and tell yourself, your younger self. So I often say, why run that exercise? Let's run the exercise. They can I'm in this condo right now. Hmm. Now I might be able to see that in 20 years. I buy a place like this. Heck, maybe I'll even do it next year. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's the exercise. Um, if I were to go back and tell myself 20 years ago, I'd probably tell myself to buy and hold more stocks that are now worth billions of dollars. <laughs> I'd be multi, multi, multi gazillionaire if I if I just held half the stocks that I bought in my lifetime. <laughs> I know, I know. We always are impatient, right? We just don't like it going down, so we're trying to get out of it. That's right. So, That's right. well, that was a that was a great advice, though, in terms of kind of imagining yourself into the future and saying, okay, if I were to get into that position, what would I have to have done to to get that? Right? It's almost like you know, kind of goal setting and planning for the future but just envisioning that you already are arrived, right? You arrived there and then kind of working backwards, which is amazing. Yeah, if, if you can believe it, like mm -hmm. that really is the biggest thing. So if you say, I want to be a CEO of a billion dollar company. Well, right now, if you were to ask me that, I it would be hard for me to believe. I just, I have no need or desire ever to be there. So therefore it's not an accessible path. If I, if I all of a sudden said, I want to do it, then I'd need to, convince myself that it's possible you know and how would i do that i'd go meet other i'd enter i'd probably go interview 50 billionaires hey henry so what did you do over 10 year period that got you to be a billionaire mm -hmm. and then you'd go to eric yuan at, at zoom video hey eric i used to work with you when you were in product management at webex 
Now you are $3.2 billion the day it went public. Now he's probably worth $12 billion. Mm-hmm. What did you do? You know, and you, you just, but if you can flip the switch on belief, then you can, you really can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Most certainly who would have thought like selling data, you could be a billionaire, right? Cause it's, it's, that's how See, it's uh, commodity. Yeah. yeah. Most certainly. Yeah. Well, Chad, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for sparing this, um, this time with our audience and sharing some of your wisdom. Wish you all the best. And uh, we'll hope to continue the conversation in the future. Coffee is for closers only. So uh, we'll, we'll see, you on the, see you on the field of <laughs> Sounds play. Good. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Samuel. This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com. If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe.